Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. So we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 12. And at this part in Mark's gospel, Jesus is in Jerusalem with his disciples and he's been gathering a bit of negative press. So uh, the religious leaders are not really happy with what he's up to. He's healing people and he's preaching about the kingdom of God and he's got quite a lot of attention from these religious leaders. And so um, some of them get sent to try and trip him up and ask him some difficult questions. And while that conversation is going on, a man overhears that they're having this conversation and wants to join in and wants to ask a question as well and there's no reason for us to assume that he's got any negative agenda he's kind of just listening in and wants to get in on the action so that's where we're going to pick up from from uh, chapter 12 verse 28 and it says one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer he asked him of all the commandments which is the most important The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then, and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So this man, this teacher of the law, he knows the law inside out and he goes to Jesus and he says, which of the commandments is the most important? Now, we might think automatically of the Ten Commandments and then we might think, well, I don't recognise Jesus's answer from the Ten Commandments. And that's because actually there were 613 commandments. Well, there are 613 commandments through the Old Testament, through the Jewish scripture. And um, they are all held as equally binding. They're um, They're all important to keep. But some of them were seen as weightier than others and so this was a common question of the day really which one of these if I have to keep one which one is the most important and Jesus answers with love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and the teacher seems quite happy with this because if you think about it if we love God first then it means that we won't take the Lord's name in vain for example we won't have other gods above him if we love others as ourselves we won't kill we won't steal we won't lie we won't commit adultery all those things we won't do if we love God and love others first and so I know the examples I've just given there are all from the Ten Commandments specifically, but Paul sums it up really well in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 13.10, he says that love is the fulfilling of the law. This idea that if we love first, then all of those other 613 commandments fall into place if we love first. St. Augustine said something about this as well. He said, love and do as you like. The idea that if you are, if you have a heart that is full of genuine love for God and love for one another, then you can do whatever you want, because whatever you want will be in line with the will of God. I love that. And so we're going to talk today, we're going to look at how is this relevant for us today? What does it look like to love God, to love others, and to love ourselves? So... Relational wholeness comes first and foremost from our relationship with God. This should be our 
primary relationship. It should be the main relationship in our lives. To know and be known by the God who created the heavens and the earth. But more than that, to love and be loved by the God who created the heavens and the earth is the most amazing thing, the most mind-blowing thing, and the most should be the most important thing in our lives. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Here and Jesus is actually quoting from um, Deuteronomy chapter four. Is it? I've written it down, and I've got chapter six, verses four to five. And this is a, um, a piece of scripture that became a prayer, has become a prayer. And Jewish people throughout millennia have prayed this prayer. They often pray it in the morning and in the evening, and it's called the Shema. And it's Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That is uh, the Jewish prayer, the Shema. And you might notice there that in the Shema there is a word that isn't in, sorry, the other way around, that Jesus, when he's speaking, there's a word there that isn't in the Shema. He says, with all your mind as well. And we'll look at that a little bit and why that is. But I think to really understand what it means to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and our strength, we need to go back to thinking with the mind of a Jewish person thousands of years ago who was there when this is originally being written. What did it mean for them then? And so what does it mean for us now? And so the first bit, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So the Hebrew word for this, should you be interested, is the word lev, means heart. And the Jewish people had a really broad understanding of what the heart was for, what it did. So they were aware that it pumped blood around the body, but it was more than that. It is more than that. So firstly, it's where our emotions are held. It's where our emotions come from. So when we read about heart through the scripture, we often hear about people feeling joy in their hearts or people's hearts melting in fear. It's that kind of thing that our emotions are in our hearts and are from our hearts. Now, love isn't all emotion, but emotion is part of it. And so to love God with all our heart includes loving him with our emotions. Those things that we attach to love, ideas like joy and excitement and affection, those emotions that come from the heart, we should be directing those to God if we're to be loving him with all of our hearts. Now, the second thing that uh, with the heart, well, the third technically, if we think about the physical as well, but is that our choices and our desires come from our heart. So we have a desire in our heart and we make a choice based on that. So we see this through scripture as well. We hear about King David. He had it in his heart to build the temple. It was a desire of his heart to build a temple. And he then made choices and actions and he put that into place. And it was Solomon that ultimately built the temple, but it was the desire in David's heart. We often use this now, don't we, this idea. It's like following your heart, that maybe your head wants one thing, but your heart wants another. There are desires in your heart. And like I said, love isn't all emotion. Love is also choices. Love is also making choices out of the desires of our hearts. If we think about our human relationships, it's not always easy to love people. It's not always easy, but if it is the desire of our heart to love people, then we can make a choice to love them. Even when those emotions aren't attached to it, even when we're maybe struggling to feel the joy and the excitement and the emotional love, we can still make a choice if it is the desire of our heart to love somebody. And it's the same with God. Sometimes we don't feel and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I don't think I am. Sometimes we don't always feel the emotion, the stirring up moment of love for God. But if 
if it is the desire of our hearts to love God, we can choose to love God every day, regardless of whether we're feeling those emotions. It means choosing to spend time reading the Bible. It means choosing to spend time in prayer. It means choosing to put worship music on and sing, even when we don't feel like it. And finally, on the heart, what it is to love God with all of our hearts. So the biblical authors at this time didn't really have any concept of the fact that our thoughts were in our brain. Um, that is relatively, in terms of world history, quite a new thing um, to know that thoughts are in our brain. The idea was that thoughts came from the heart as well. That is where all our thinking was done, in the heart. And so our thoughts towards God, we fear to love God with all of our heart. It involves our thoughts as well. It means what, what are we thinking about God? What do we think uh, of when we think of him? Are we thinking loving things? Are we thinking honouring things? Are we thinking about how great he is? And that spills out into our words as well, because thoughts often become words, don't they? When we speak out about God, to love him with all our heart means to speak honour of him, to speak love of him. And so a quick recap of what it is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart is to love him with all our emotions, to love him with all of our desires and our choices, and to love him with all of our thoughts and our words. For a cup of water this time, and I'm not sure it was a good choice. So the next one, love the Lord our God with all of our souls. So again, if you want to know the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word is nefesh, which I quite like. And we have a bit of an odd concept of soul uh, in our day and age, in our society. It's almost as though it's the ghost in the machine. It's a part of us that is within us, but is trapped in our body. But that's not what we see throughout the scripture. When we see this word nefesh, that's often translated as soul, that's not really the meaning of the word. So we can look back through the scripture, and this word is used a lot of times, and it's used in a lot of different ways. But the overarching idea is not that you have a soul, but that you are a soul. It is all of you. It is in, includes um, the inside of you, but it includes your physical being as well. And so to love God with all of your soul is to love God with all of your physicality, all of your um, kind of outwardness as well. Um, just to kind of give a bit of an illustration of this. So Psalm 119 verse 175 says, um, let my nefesh live that I might praise you. And we don't see that translated as soul. We see that translated as let me live that I might praise you. If you see what I mean, it's the, the whole of us. It's me. This is the nefesh rather than something that's hidden inside. And so to love God with all of our physical things, it means to love God with all of our actions, all of our deeds. It means living a life worthy of the calling you've received, as is written in Ephesians. Or it means um, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, as is written in Romans. It is following the nudges of the Holy Spirit and doing what he's asking us to do. It is serving God with our, um, with our bodies and with our lives. It is loving God in all that we do but knowing the love of God in all that we do as well. And then finally, so we've looked at loving the Lord our God with all our heart, loving the Lord our God with all our soul, and then we also have loving the Lord our God with all our me'od, is the Hebrew word. And the reason I've gone for Hebrew first is because you'll notice, like I said before, in Deuteronomy, it is with all of our strength. But in the New Testament, when it's been through... Um, 
um, kind of other language things is mind and strength. It's the two. But method is a bit of a funny word and it's difficult to translate really because it's actually, uh, for any grammar nerds, it is an adverb. You put it before a verb and it does something to the verb. So it's actually translated as very or much. So you'd put it before another word to, to increase the impact of that verb. So uh, very happy, for example, might be method happy. Very sad would be method sad. And so it's a bit of a difficult word to translate in this context, as you can imagine, because it's that love the Lord your God with all of your very, all of your much. And it kind of, it kind of makes sense though, doesn't it? Even though it makes no sense at the same time, it's everything else. It encapsulates everything else. And although we see Jesus use the word mind and the word strength, it is everything. It, this word me'od gives a limitlessness to the way in which we can love God, a limitlessness to the way we can outwork our love for God. And so this is how we are to love God, with our hearts, our emotions, our desires and our choices, our thoughts and our words, with our souls, with our physical being, what we choose to do, and with our muchness, with our everything else. But what does this look like practically? So those are some ideas about how we should be loving God, but what does that look like? And so I was thinking about this this week, and there's a framework that I really like to use. I talk about it quite a lot. Um, And it's the idea of the five love languages. And normally we talk about this with loving others, but as I was thinking about it, it actually, I found it really helpful in thinking about how I can love God as well, how I can outwork him. So for those of you that don't know, there are, in theory, five ways in which we like to show love and like to receive love. And they are acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time and gifts. Now, obviously, the physical touch one is more difficult when we are talking about God. But the other four are, I think, very um, usable. They're very helpful to see how we can love God, what it actually looks like. So if we take quality time as the first one, for example... We can show God love by spending quality time with him, by spending time in prayer, by spending time reading the Bible, by spending time just soaking up his presence. Just as we would show love to any other, another human that way, we're spending time with them. We can show God love by spending quality time with him. The second one, acts of service. So we can show love to God by doing things for him, by serving him, by having a mindset of being servant-hearted, by using the gifts and the skills that God has placed within us to, um, to do what he's asking us to do, to go and make disciples, to spread the good news. And this will look differently for each one of us because we've all got different skills and different things that we're good at. But it's this idea that we can serve God and show love for him in that way. The next one is words of affirmation. God doesn't need our affirmation, uh, so maybe words of adoration would be better. He doesn't need our adoration either. But um, that we speak out things that we love about God, that we um, use our words to express how and why we love him. And worship is really good for this. Songs of worship are really good because it means that we have someone else, we've got someone else's words that we can cling to, that we can speak out and we can tell God how much we love him with someone else's words. But I think that prayer of thanksgiving and prayer of adoration is, really important as well putting our own words to it I think if you send a card to somebody and you might write in there I mean Valentine's Day is coming up isn't it you might get some some tips and tricks here but if you you might want to write a poem or something in there that you've read and you think oh this is really nice this really expresses how I feel or you write down some words from a song and you think this really expresses how I feel and that is great and it is lovely and sometimes that's helpful if we can't express things ourselves But 
often it can mean more if the words have come from us, if we write what we feel rather than using someone else's words. And that's how I was thinking about this idea of words of affirmation with God, that when we show God that we love him with our own words, there's something special about that. And then the fourth one is giving gifts. So most people, I think, like to give and receive gifts at some level, some more than others. But this idea of giving gifts to God stretches back through millennia of people showing their love to God in this way. We read just a couple of examples in the New Testament. We read of um, the widow who gives two coins into the offering. She's giving a gift to God. We read of Paul going around the churches, the early church, and collecting, uh, collecting gifts for the church in Jerusalem to be used for the advancement of the kingdom in Jerusalem. And we see this idea of giving gifts to God throughout history. And it's a really good way of us being able to show our love to God as well, being able to give to God. That's one of the reasons why we receive an offering every week is to give us that opportunity to show our love for God in that way. But this might be something that you really struggle with, this concept of loving God. It might be that it's not something you've struggled with historically, but you are struggling with it now, this idea of loving God. And so at the end of um, the service today, and I'll give you kind of hints of these as we go through the sermon, but um, we are going to have a time of prayer. And so I want you to think if this is something that you're struggling with, prepare yourself that you may want to come and receive prayer later on in the service. Because we want to pray for people to have a greater understanding of how to love God, what it looks like to love God, but also a greater capability, a greater capacity to love God. But also, I just want to give you a bit of practical encouragement. If this is something that you're struggling with, this idea of loving God, that relationships take work. Our earthly relationships take work, they take time, they take commitment. And it's the same with our relationship with God as well. We need to make sure we're committed to it, that we're putting time into it, the same as we would with any other. So uh, relational wholeness that we're talking about starts with the love of God, but it flows into a love for others. If we love God and we know God, we understand that those around us are made in the image of God and that therefore they have um, infinite and intrinsic worth. They are worth loving the people around us. And this is the second part of the greatest commandment that Jesus gives. He says... Love your neighbour as yourself. Love your neighbour as yourself. And this, again, is taken from the Old Testament. It's taken from the law. He is literally picking a one of the 613 commandments out of the law and saying this is the most important one. It's in Leviticus. It's in chapter 19, verse 18. Love your neighbour as yourself. And I'm just going to say off the bat, neighbour does not mean the person who lives next door to you. It doesn't even mean the person that lives on your street or in your town. It is your fellow man, as it were. It is everybody. Love everybody as yourself. But what does this one look like? This one can be tricky, can't it? I think that in order to love others as ourselves, we need to make sure that our hearts are right with God first. Like I say, it's our relational wholeness with others flows out of our relational wholeness with God. If our heart is right with God, it's easier to love others. Particularly if our heart is right with God regarding those people that maybe we struggle to love. I think it's amazing. I would really encourage you, if there's someone you are struggling to love, take them to God in prayer and you will be astounded by what God does, the opportunities for conversation that he brings about, the opportunities for reconciliation that he brings about. The Bible talks about King David being a man after God's own heart. And we should also want to be people after God's own heart. And if God's heart is for us to love our neighbour as ourselves, then we need to make sure that our heart is 
one that loves our neighbour as ourselves. And like we've spoken about, that heart means loving one another with our emotions, the same as before, with our emotions, with our desires and choices, our thoughts and words, all of those things. And we need to make sure that our thoughts and words towards others are good thoughts, that we speak good words about people, words of love and encouragement, not words of cruelty or gossip or malice. We need to have a heart that is full of love for others. A heart heart needs to be full first because as it says in Luke chapter 6 verse 25, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so our heart needs to be full of good things so that when our mouth speaks, it's good things that come out. Because in Psalms, in Psalm, oh, I got the reference in Luke wrong. Sorry, it's Luke 6, 45, not 25. But in uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death. So if our heart is full of good things, and out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks, those words that we speak will have the power of life. But if our heart is full of bad things, and that is the abundance that we're speaking out of, those words that we speak have the power of death. We need to understand this, the power that our words have, but where those words come from. We need to make sure that our heart is full of love for others. So that when we speak, we are speaking good things that are life-giving things into one another. Because we can use our words for such good. The Bible's saying there, they're words that give life. We can use them to edify one another, to encourage and build one another up. We can use our words to comfort and to counsel one another. We can use our words to just bring... God's truth and God's light into situations. We can use our words to take people to God in prayer, whether they are stood with us or whether we are on our own and we want to take people to God in prayer. We can use our words for that. And the more we practice this, the more we fill our heart with good, the more it becomes second nature that we speak these good things about people. But it's also important to note, and this is quite a tricky one really, but Speaking out of love does not always mean just things like giving comfort and counsel. Sometimes words of love are words that are more firm. Words that are admonishing, giving warning or caution to people. There have been times where um, Dom and I have had conversations where he has seen something in me. He has seen something in me that is not what God wants for me. It's not the best for me. Whether it's something I've done or said or that he knows that I'm thinking And he will call that out in me. And we've had some really difficult conversations that that leave you feeling a bit bruised by the end of it. But I know that the only reason he's bothering for us to have that conversation is because I do not doubt Dom's love for me. And so it means those conversations can be had and should be had because because I know that Dom's heart for me is to see me walk into what God has for me. And sometimes love means having those difficult conversations that we don't want to have, but we need to have. But we need to make sure that if we're going to have those conversations, there is a big warning label over that. Because we have to make sure that our heart is completely right. There is no ulterior motive. There is no hidden agenda. It is purely because we love that person and we want to see the best for them. And we need to make sure that what we're saying to them is in line with God's word. That it is what God, what we genuinely believe God would want to say to them. It's not an opportunity to point out one another's character flaws or to give people a piece of our mind or our opinions on them. It's not to have those conversations that start with that classic phrase, I'm just saying this because I love you. 
often that doesn't mean that it's being said because they love us. I'm saying this in love. We have to make sure that our heart is right, that we, there is no doubt in our minds that our heart is right, because these conversations, if we have them with any ulterior motive, they can be so damaging. Yeah. We can't overestimate how damaging they can be. Yeah. We have to get it right. And the timing has to be right with it as well. And if our heart isn't right and if our timing isn't right, can I please implore you to keep your mouth shut? <laughs> in the most loving way I can just because it can be so damaging but it can be if we get it right it's so good it's so important the conversations that Dom and I have had and the way that that has enabled me to grow and step into things God has for me have been invaluable to me but they have to be done properly they have to be done right and so if we have a heart that is full of love for others and our words towards others are full of love our actions need to match up to that as well in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Sounds a bit there like John is saying to not say good things about one another, but that's not actually what he's saying. What he's saying is, let's not just say good things about one another. Let's not just say we love one another, but let's act on it. Let's do it. Let's show honour for one another. Let's prefer one another. Let's have a servant heart towards one another. That is what John is saying. He's not saying, don't say things of love to one another. And we can do this in so many different ways. This might be... um, going around to someone's house and noticing that maybe there's a couple of mugs to wash because you've had a cup of tea there and washing them up it could be that it could be babysitting a child it could be cutting a lawn it could be doing a food shop it could be anything just doing something helpful to serve one another because we prefer one another and we want to serve one another because we love one another it's being close enough to people that we notice when they're struggling and we do something about it but also It's blessing people even when they're not struggling. Someone gave us a coffee grinder this last week and I was over the moon. I I was so happy because it was just such a nice act of love that I'd been given this thing that I'd been hoping that one day I might own and then there there was one. And so it's things like that. It's little things that make us stand out as Christians. This showing our love for one another is what makes us stand out as Christians. That we love, we don't love how the world loves. We love in a different way to that. We love others as ourselves. The Bible talks so much about how we should have love for one another. In John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus takes it one step further and he says not just that we should love neighbours as ourselves, but we, that we should love our neighbours as he loves them which is a step above, isn't it? More than a step above. But Jesus says that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for one another brands us as disciples of Christ. That when people outside of the church see how much we love one another, that is what makes us stand out. It's what makes us attractive. It's what brings people to Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, It says, whoever claims, this one hit me square in the face, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But it's true, isn't it? And it goes on there to say that how can we love God who is unseen if we can't even love someone who stood right in front of us? But then it's the other way around as well. It's how can we say we love God and then not see that flow out into love for others? Ooh. There are verse, there's verse after verse about this kind of thing, about loving one another. And we don't always get it right because we are broken people fundamentally. 
we are flawed people who are just doing our best. But because Christ first loved us, it allows us to go out and love one another. It allows us to, to try and love our neighbours as ourselves, to try and love our neighbours as Christ has loved us. Out of our relationship for God and our relational wholeness with God flows a relational wholeness with others. And it might be that this is an area that you struggle with, this idea of loving your neighbour as yourself. This is not God's desire. It's not God's will for us. God wants us to live in relational wholeness with one another. It's written in there in black and white in the scripture that he wants us to love one another as ourselves. And there is always grace. There is always help and provision from God to love our neighbour as ourselves. We just have to take it to him, lay it at the foot of the cross and just ask him for his help. This doesn't always mean, though, pursuing broken relationships. Sometimes relationships need to be put to one side. It doesn't mean always trying to fix something that is broken. But there can still be love and peace and wholeness, even if broken relationships exist in our lives. Even if we have to put some relationships to one side, we can still feel peace about them. We can still feel love towards that person. We can still have a wholeness in our relationships. There is always healing available to us. Thank you, Alan. And so in a little while, we're going to, like I say, we're going to pray. And this is one of the things I want us to pray about. If you need help in this area, if you just need a touch from God, if you need a new perspective on a situation, if you need healing in a relationship, we're going to pray for that. If you want wholeness in this area. But also if you want to make a commitment to take a step that you can to bring healing in a relationship in the practical. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Maybe there are some steps that need to be taken that you have not yet gone as far as it's possible for you, if you've not gone as as much as you can. Maybe some steps need to be taken, and I want us to pray about that this morning. And then the third and final part of Jesus' commandment. So he tells us to love God, he tells us to love others, but he tells us to love others as ourselves, which implies to me that we should love ourselves. And I know that some people find this harder than others. I know that. But relational wholeness with God liberates us to love ourselves. There's a quote that I heard recently, and I love it. It says, how cool is it that the same God that created the mountains, oceans and galaxies looked at you and decided the world needed one of you too. And that goes for each and every one of us. And it is unbelievable. It's so hard to wrap our minds around that the God that created everything that we see, the beauty and the wonder that we see in this world and through this galaxy. And he looked at you and he decided the world needs one of one of them too. The world needs one of you too. Now, that isn't, that isn't scripture. That's just something that I heard and thought was brilliant and really liked it. But there is scripture on this. What I'm saying can be backed up with scripture. If we read in Psalm 139, verse 13, it talks about how we are knitted together in our mother's womb, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us 
that we should be called children of God. God loves us so much that he adopts us into his family. He calls us children of God. It says in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 that God loves us with an everlasting love, that he draws us in with unfailing kindness. In Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, it says that God takes great delight in us, that he rejoices over us with singing. In Romans chapter 8 verse 37, it says that we are more than conquerors through Christ. I could go on and on and on with scripture about how much God loves us, how much he values us, how much he um, rejoices over us, how much he loves us. And maybe the most well-known piece of scripture, John chapter 3 verse 16 just for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that all none who believed in him shall perish, but shall have eternal life. Just this idea that God left the wonder and the comfort and the splendor of heaven, and he chose because it was the desire of his heart, and he made a choice out of it. He chose to be born on this earth as a baby so that he could live a blameless and perfect life for us, Firstly, as an example, but also so that he could be a sacrifice for us. That means that we can enter back into a relationship with God. That is what this whole thing that we believe is about. The whole thing is about relational wholeness. Everything that God has done for us is to bring relational wholeness. When he chose to step out of heaven and to step onto earth, knowing that he was going to die, that was so that he could bring relational wholeness to us and I know that it is hard sometimes to love ourselves it is hard because we know everything about ourselves we know our darkest thoughts we know the things that sit in our heart that are not good but God knows those things more than we do he knows more of the depth of our sin and our depravity than we do and yet he still loves us the Bible says that while we were still sinners Christ died for us while we were still in the mess and while we were still in the dark Jesus chose to die for us and this shouldn't make us feel guilty I know it can but it shouldn't make us feel guilty it should encourage us that we are works in progress that God loves us enough to walk with us to grow us to develop us to be alongside us because the fact is that none of us are worthy of the love of God but through God each one of us has been made worthy and each one of us gets to receive the love of God which I just think is unbelievable God thinks that you are worth loving and so it's okay for you to love yourself a little bit more as well and in a moment we're going to pray about that if that's something that you struggle with this idea of loving yourself I would love for you to come forward in a moment when we're going to pray but before we do that we've spoken a lot today about a relationship with God that everything that love for others that love for ourselves that relational wholeness in our entire life flows out of our relational wholeness with God and it might be that you've not made that decision before to start a relationship with God it might be that you've never even thought about it before but I would love to give an opportunity this morning if this is something you've been thinking about and you want to enter into that relationship with God you want to start on that journey of relational wholeness in a moment we're going to pray a prayer together and we do this every week the prayer comes up on the screen and we're going to read it together and then I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads and if you have decided for the first time today if you've read through that prayer and you've thought 
I am ready to give my life to Jesus. I am ready to start on this. I understand that everything that Christ did for me was to bring relational wholeness. Then I would just encourage you to raise your hand so that we can see, uh, so that I can see and can pray with you. But it's also a good um, indication for yourself to actually do something, to put something into action. So we're going to pray that. And then afterwards... I'm going to invite people down to the front. If you feel like you need prayer for any of those areas we've talked about, if you feel like you need a greater ability and a capacity to love God, if that's something you're really struggling with, I would love you to come down to the front and the prayer team will be here and they will be able to pray with you. If you are struggling to love others as yourselves, if you need some healing in some relationships and you are wanting to claim that this morning, I would encourage you to come down the front and we're going to pray for that. And finally, if you need more help loving yourself, come down to the front and we will pray for that but first let's pray together the prayer on the screen thank you God for loving me before I ever loved you thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.